mornings. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, Congressman Bob Latta will join us with reaction to yesterday's events at the U.S. Capitol and where the country goes from here. Also this morning on the lighter side, a look at the popularity of dry January. Perhaps it's to counter the bad habit of day drinking that many of us have picked up during the lockdown, but temperance is trendy again. University of Findlay men's basketball coach Charlie Ernst discusses the Oilers' season thus far and previews this weekend's games versus Malone and at Walsh. And it's time to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. We have what you need to take control of your family's health and wellness in the new year. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, January 7th, 2021. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast is calling for cloudy skies today and a high of 35. More clouds tonight, a low of 28. A high-speed pursuit went through Finley on I-75. The Highway Patrol says troopers tried to stop 38-year-old Cortez Larkin of Columbus for a speeding violation near Bowling Green, but he refused to pull over and a pursuit ensued. A trooper eventually took Larkin into custody around Crydersville. 1488 Finley, I have six in my vehicle. The Highway Patrol says Larkin was driving a stolen vehicle. He and a passenger are facing multiple charges. Get more on our website. Governor DeWine says the COVID vaccine should be available for Group 1B in a couple of weeks. That group includes school employees and people 65 and over. The governor says the vaccine rollout needs to speed up. I am pushing everybody from the pharmacy companies to the hospitals to our health departments to get these vaccines in people's arms just as quick as they can. The Ohio Department of Health says around 175,000 Ohioans have been vaccinated so far, which amounts to about 1.5 percent of the state's population. Meantime, Hancock Public Health is encouraging people in the first two groups who want the vaccine to pre-register. Phase 1A is currently underway. Once Hancock County begins Phase 1B, they'll notify people who who pre-registered. Ohio's COVID-19 vaccination dashboard shows fewer than 1,000 people in Hancock County have received the vaccine so far. Get more on our website. Governor DeWine says he won't make any exceptions to the statewide curfew, even for playoff games. The Browns and the Buckeyes both have upcoming games. The curfew requires bars and restaurants to close by 10 p.m. A Cleveland Browns fan with terminal cancer got his dying wish. Tom Seipel is a diehard fan from Columbus and with help from quarterback Baker Mayfield and his wife Emily. He got to see the Browns earn a playoff spot last weekend, and he even got to meet the Mayfields. Seipel says he hopes his illness and story encourages people to spread love to others. Get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. I'm Matt Demchek with 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Just the seventh day of the year, and already we're not off to the best start. (laughs) You know what I mean? This is not the best start uh, to the to the year necessarily, but um, I tell you what, it was man. Yesterday was was just strange because, and I've talked about this before, uh, because I am up at a ridiculously early hour of the morning to get here into the studio and and put the day's show together and and everything. We start our day much earlier than when we hit the airwaves at 6 a.m. And so because <laughs> because I, my alarm goes off in what most people, what most normal people would consider the middle of the night, uh, I often go home, 
uh, after uh, we're done here at the studios and we get everything, uh, most everything ready for the next day, uh, do everything that we need to do uh, with respect to that. And then I will lay down on the couch, take a nap for an hour or two uh, in the afternoon, which is what I did yesterday. And so I missed when all of this exploded on, you know, all of these uh, these riots uh, exploded on, on Capitol Hill yesterday. Uh, I was slumbering away, not care in the world. And I, I woke up to my phone just going nuts with text messages and news alerts and all of that. I was like, what is going on? So I turned on the TV and lo and behold, I, the word that kept coming to mind was unbelievable. I don't know how many times I said that yesterday afternoon and yesterday evening. Uh, I said uh, the words unbelievable over and over and over again. As we mentioned, uh, Congressman Bob Latta will uh, join us, of course, uh, firsthand account of uh, what uh, the scene was like uh, there on Capitol Hill. Um, I exchanged emails with uh, some of the congressman's staff who assured me that everyone was safe and, and secure and uh, everyone was fine, but certainly uh, harrowing moments. He will join us a little bit later on this morning in the aftermath of uh, everything that transpired yesterday. You've heard the news. Twitter and Facebook suspended President Trump's accounts on their platforms. Um, Twitter uh, locked Mr. Trump out of his account for 12 hours and said that uh, three tweets had to be removed or he would not be reinstated and warned that future violations could lead to a permanent suspension. Um, Those three tweets, including one... There was a short video in which Trump urged his supporters at the Capitol to go home, but then said, we love you, you're very special. Uh, That was one of them that Twitter took exception to. Um, Also talked about the integrity of the election. Those were taken down. Facebook, not long after that, said Mr. Trump would not be able to post on their site uh, or on Instagram, which is owned by Facebook, for 24 hours after violations of its policies. And uh, they also took down the uh, Trump video because it, in their words, contributes to, contributes to rather than dis- diminishes the risk of ongoing violence. Uh, Twitter and Facebook have uh, long been pressured to take stronger action uh, by some uh, against uh, what they see as the president's uh, egging on of his uh, supporters, let's say. But uh, it, they're in a tough spot. They uh, they really are. And, and uh, there is no precedent uh, for this. I mean, certainly we've had presidents that have used social media in the past, but not in the way that uh, this president has. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, um, but it is certainly a... a new and uncharted water uh, situation with respect to social media and the way this president uh, uses social media to connect with his base. Again, not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself, but, uh, and I I also think it's important uh, to uh, point out that not everyone who attended these rallies at the Capitol, uh, this rally at the Capitol, 
uh, turned violent. There were a lot of people, hundreds, thousands of people uh, at the at this rally, and not everyone turned violent. Just as a lot of protesters this past summer uh, who were speaking out uh, on matters of social justice and uh, racial equality, uh, just as many, the vast majority of those uh, protesters would not want to have been associated with those lawbreakers who uh, rioted and looted in the streets in some cities, uh, we shouldn't lump all of the individuals in Washington yesterday with the in with the few uh, who uh, broke the law and uh, and stormed the Capitol. But there is, just as there was in the summertime, there is some measure of guilt by association, fair or unfair. I think it's important to step back in, in that respect uh, as well. So, boy, a lot to unpack uh, here, and uh, it is not the last, certainly, that we, have, that we will talk about this. And one has to wonder, uh, in the next couple of weeks, I think everybody's going to kind of be holding their breath to see what happens. A couple of other things among the uh, first things you need to know this morning. You remember yesterday we mentioned it was Take Down the Christmas Tree Day. It was Epiphany, which is traditional that it, traditionally the day. Take Down the Christmas Tree. Uh, if you have a natural tree, I would hope you've taken it down by now. It's got to be getting pretty dry. So uh, what do you do with it? Obviously, you can recycle it. Uh, there are a lot of things that you can do with your Christmas tree. Uh, but how about this? You can eat it. (laughs) A baker and cook uh, in the UK has published a book uh, called How to Eat Your Christmas Tree. It is, (laughs) I kid you not, it is full of recipes that help readers repurpose their once decorative evergreen. Uh, Some of the recipes included in the book and shared in Smithsonian Magazine include Christmas Cured Fish, Christmas Tree Pickles, and Christmas tree and ginger ice cream. Uh, For those who might be wondering what inspired the idea to incorporate the Christmas tree into a meal, uh, it's a a sustainability issue, she says. By the way, Julia uh, Georgialis, uh, I believe is how you uh, pronounce her name, this cook who has uh, come up with these recipes for eating your Christmas tree. She said, it's not weird at all for people who say, well, that's just strange. She said, not at all. She said, uh, we eat and we forage many different plants. And this is just another one of them. So if you're interested, the book is called How to Eat Your Christmas Tree. <laughs> uh, I just put that out there as a public service. If you're wondering what to do with your Christmas tree, now you know. And uh, how about a little good news? To start the morning, I think we all could use that, given where we are at this juncture, this moment in history. There is good news here, breaking news, spread the word, tell your friends. The coronavirus pandemic has not canceled everything. The Discovery Channel has announced that they will, that that Puppy Bowl 17 will take place. On Sunday, February 7th, the same day as the uh, Super Bowl, Puppy Bowl 17 uh, will be 
going off as planned this year. So if you needed a reason to smile, if you needed a reason to feel good about life in general today, now you have it. We will get Puppy Bowl 17. Thank goodness for that. There you go. Some of the most important stories, the most buzzworthy stories to start off your Thursday morning. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Online at WFIN.com and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. Well, there is really no other way to say it. Yesterday was a very dark day uh, in our nation's history. Ohio 5th District Representative Bob Latta joins us on the line this morning. The reaction to yesterday's shocking events at the U.S. Capitol. And Congressman, first off, uh, should uh, let everybody know that you are fine, your staff is fine and safe. Uh, obviously, it was a very late night, so we appreciate you taking the time to join us uh, this morning on what probably about three hours sleep or so. Kind of take us through what happened yesterday from your perspective. Well, uh, my my office actually looks over the west front of the Capitol, so I can see the entire grounds, uh, like the, the Capitol, everything. And, uh, you know, we were supposed to be going on the floor at 1 o'clock uh, to start uh, the uh, certification process. And uh, the uh, president had his rally uh, at 11 o'clock, and, uh, you know, uh, when he told people to go to the Capitol, they certainly did. And I looked out my window and watched this huge human wave coming, and they've got on the west front of the Capitol the, uh, all the inaugural stands have been built, and so what they, they did was uh, you can like, go out to your local hardware store and get that type mm. of uh, pretty cheap fencing you put around your garden, but they had lo- two rows of that that was already up, and they had signs on it, you know, don't enter, don't enter, about every six foot. Then they went to just be an extra precaution. They put what I call bicycle fencing. It looks like what you pull your bicycle into, yeah. but they had that ringed around the entire capital. But the wave hit that and just took it completely away. And then they, uh, I saw Capitol Hill policemen running down the sidewalk at it, and they just saw they had, they had to turn around and take back off. They tried to stop people from coming, but they took back up, and they took a defense line, uh, in front, not too far in front of the Capitol building, and then people were literally climbing up into the uh, the tower that they always built the TV cameras, and it's about 40, 50 feet off the ground. Mm-hmm. They overtook that, and but then the wave just overtook those officers, and the, the wave then kind of went toward the Senate side and not the House side. But uh, at the same time, it was almost like uh, the whole like if you have sand going around or water going around an object, like if you're at, at the at watching water come in from the ocean or somewhere, it just went started enveloping the entire capital. And I could see I could see from the corner uh, the Supreme Court building, and people then were coming up to the east side of the Capitol steps. But uh, uh, unfortunately, then uh, you know this went for went on for hours. Then people started actually scaling the Capitol itself. Yeah, and they, they broke they broke in uh, on the uh, the Senate side. They broke in on the House side through the and uh, 
Unfortunately, then, I, I talked with officers last night. We were voting until about almost 3 o'clock last night. I was talking to our Capitol Hill police officers uh, that are located right outside our doors. And uh, and I said, you know, we're, we're, how things had developed. But people, um, they'd ask us, uh, because with, with COVID, they don't want us all on the floor at one time. Right, So right. we were going to do what, they, like, what you call like platooning back and forth. So mm-hmm. one group would go over, go on the floor, uh, here's the debate, and then the others would leave. But what ended up happening, uh, they told we had an alarm system go off. They said, everybody stay where you are. And, but then uh, very good friends of mine were caught on the floor. They had to put, uh, there was tear gas that was released in the Capitol. Uh, you can, you've seen the footage, people just running through the right. Capitol itself. And, uh, it, it, and so the police literally had to barricade the House of Representatives. People were breaking the plexiglass. You can see their faces through it. And not too far from there is where the uh, woman was shot. Yeah, and and is all of so, this. And so I, I all I can say just real quickly is, is I, I can't thank the Capitol Hill Police uh, and all of our law enforcement for what they did because they put their lives on the line. Uh, four people died yesterday. Uh, one in the from the gunshot, three mm-hmm. others from other uh, related uh, different types of something happened. We don't know what, what happened to them. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, we had, we know over a dozen police officers were injured. As you were watching all of this unfold from the very beginning, what goes through your mind? I mean, what words can you use to describe it? it, I was looking at the images on television, and the word just came up uh, time and time again, unbelievable. I just couldn't believe that we were seeing something like this happen. As it it was happening right outside your window, what goes through your mind? Well, you know, first of all, uh, I, I love this country. I love what, what we stand for, uh, our Constitution. Uh, you know, it's been our governing document since 1789. There's never been another document in the world like it. Uh, some of the thoughts that went right through my mind, you know, unfortunately, this past year with COVID, the schools didn't come down, but I know that I have so many school groups from around, kids from Finley are here. Mm-hmm. And I always I tell the kids, I say, when they're standing on the Capitol steps, and, you know, there'll be a different image for me now to stand on those Capitol steps with these kids. Because I told them, I said, you know, we're different than other countries. I said that, you know, we have, a, we have a, what I call bloodless revolutions every four years where we have the transfer of power, uh, you know, that's been our tradition. It's been our uh, background as a republic. And it's uh, when you see this happen, that the uh, uh, all of a sudden uh, you have people trying to stop the process or change the process, almost like you know, you know, I'm a student. I was a history student. It almost reminded me of some of the paintings you see of the French Revolution when they're fighting in the streets. Uh, you know, some of the uh, layout of the city of Bowling Green that, in, because of all of our circles and things, and in, in European cities they had these circles. Where they, they could control the mobs, and it was, it was all these images and thoughts of, of history yeah. went through. But the other is, is just looking at that capital. I thank God every day that I'm, that the people of the fifth district allow me. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm watching the sun come up over the capital right now. Allow me to be here, but uh, 
just just seeing it, uh, you know, we've never had anything like it. Never has yeah. occurred in our history. And and, and that's uh, and, and, you know, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, and that, and that's the thing that I come back to here uh, as well. I mean, we've had elections in which the results have been contested, even at the presidential level, and yet we have never seen anything like what we saw yesterday. And it just leads me back to the question, not only what the hell happened, but also what can be done to fix where we are moving forward? Well, you know, it's a great question because, again, you know, we had a, we had a civil war in this country. And, and the Dome, in fact, was completed in 1863 uh, during the Civil War. And Abraham Lincoln said that we had, you know, I think his words, what he said then, ring so true today, he said that, you know, even though we're in a great civil war, we have to complete the dome of the Capitol because what he he saw the Capitol and others saw it that it's the unifying factor of the country. He said after the war, this is where we're all going to come back together. And uh, you know the words that that were spoken on the floor afterwards in the Senate and the House. You know people saying, look, we you know we can have our disagreements, mm-hmm. but we always have to remember that we're Americans first. We've got to come together. We've got to work. And you know we we can we can have those you know heated debates on the floor. But you know well, you know people say, uh, how do you work with people down there? I said, well, you know I've got Democrats that I, I I've worked with so many times on so many different types of bills, and we laugh about it that. We say we're passionate on the issues that we work together on, but we're also very passionate on the issues that we disagree on. But the thing is that we can still shake hands. We can still call each other friends. But, um, uh, it's, it, but like I said, it's, it's still, as I look out my window today and the photographs that I took of it as it was unfolding yesterday and looking out today how peaceful and tranquil it is out there today compared to, what had happened, um, yeah, but I, you know, I just think that we we have to remember that we do the the, the country that we live in. Uh, and I, I have people say, who, "Who's the greatest president?" The greatest president we ever had is George Washington, because when they wrote the Constitution in those four difficult months in Philadelphia in 1789, when people didn't even know, or 1787, excuse me, when people didn't even know we were even going to have a country that uh, it was so important that they, they looked at George Washington for his guidance, uh, for his steady hand. And in the return of the Capitol building, one of the huge paintings there is so indicative of who we are. It's, and it shows what, how important it was. It was George Washington at the height of his power as a general after the Revolutionary War, giving back that uh, document that he received his commission from Congress, saying, I'm giving it back to Congress. And because we, it's the kind of a government that we have that civilian control is who we are. But it was also, you know, Washington and the others that saw what we needed to have. And as Benjamin Franklin again makes me think of these these early patriots. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, he left Philadelphia, that hall in um, uh, 1787 in September after those four grueling months. A woman by the name of Powell came up to him and said, "Mr. Franklin, what have you given us?" Because they took an oath of silence. No one knew what was going on in there. And he and he said, "Have you given? What have you given us? A republic or a monarchy?" And but these are the words I tell kids every day when I'm in schools or people today. He said, "A republic if you can keep it." And again, I always ask the kids, "Was he talking to Mrs. Powell there in September of 1787, or was he talking to us?" And he was talking to us. And it's our duty to make sure that we pass on this great republic to each generation with all of the freedoms that we enjoy in this country, 
But the mob rule is not that. And this, to see the, the Capitol building breached during the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln went out uh, because there were forts ringing the city because, of course, it was right, you know, mm-hmm. right here right. In, uh, in the fighting. And uh, actually, when the, when the Confederates had come up to the Shenandoah, uh, were threatening to actually take Washington, and he went out to the, to the forts to actually see the fighting that was going on, but the Capitol wasn't breached. But yesterday, in our history, it was desecrated. A lot of uh, soul-searching, a lot of reflecting going on uh, today after uh, in the aftermath of what we saw yesterday. And, of course, at the end of the day, uh, when all was said and done, the electoral vote uh, was certified, was uh, accepted, and, and uh, uh, Joe Biden will be the next uh, president. Uh, at the same time, while all this was happening, the results of Georgia's special election came in. Both of those races went to the Democrats as well. Uh, we've only got about 60 seconds left, uh, but I want to get your thoughts on moving forward. Can you work with this new administration and the uh, uh, party uh, the the other party, which is now going to at least for the near future be in control of both houses of Congress. Well, you know the margins are you know, have never been tighter in the House in you know uh, decades. You know, when you're looking at right now, it could be that we could have 213 Republicans. They'll have 222 Democrats. Right. I mean, it's razor thin right there. Fifty fifty tie the in the Senate. Senate is, yeah. It's going to be fifty fifty with the with the vice president. We'll be breaking the ties yeah. over there, and so it's really going to be. Uh, you, you know, are they going to do what they did back in two thousand nine during the Obama Biden that term, uh, where they pretty much rammed everything through and just said we're not going to listen to the minority. And I, you know, and again, uh, you do that. And the American people said, you know, it's only one-sided. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll see, and so we'll see the tone that the, that's going to be set, uh, in, not only uh, on the executive side but on the legislative side. But uh, you know, these are things we'll see, and you know, that'll be here very shortly, uh, within 13 days. Again, uh, Congressman Bob Latta with us this morning. Uh, as we said at the outset, we're uh, happy to learn that, that you are fine, your staff is fine. Uh, take care, and thanks very much for uh, taking the time to join us this morning, especially after what was for you a very late night or early morning, as it were. Well, thank you very much. Greatly appreciate it. I always enjoy being on and speaking with you. So the past few years, a trendy new thing has emerged called Dry January, where people vow to abstain from alcohol for an entire month. Sometimes it's a response to having gone overboard between Thanksgiving and New Year's. For others, it's part of a broader resolution to moderate their consumption year-round. But whatever the motivation, nearly 70 million people have done it or attempted to do it over the past couple of years. John Walker is co-founder and head brewer for the Athletic Brewing Company based in Stratford, Connecticut. So, John, we've seen surveys, that, and, and what I think is interesting about this in the context of you know, 2021, we have seen these surveys that home alcohol consumption went up in 2020 because of the effects of the pandemic. Is that one of the reasons why you expect this dry January trend to be even more popular this year? People saying kind of, hold on a minute, I really need to cut back. Well, yeah, I, I could definitely see that being a part of it. Um, and, you know, also just, the, you know, there's only so long you can go 
with with a lifestyle like that. So I, I definitely see that playing a part, but also the overall health and wellness trend is becoming, you know, mm. more and more regular and apparent mm. and people are learning more about the things they're putting in their body on a regular basis. And they're, you know, more interested in how that product will affect your tomorrow. Yeah. And so I see it as like a, a pretty natural evolution in addition to that. Yeah. Now, now ordinarily people might think that this would be bad news for a brewing company, but yours is a company that is actually seized on the opportunity of this trend by specializing in non-alcoholic brews, right? Correct. We're founded in 2017 out of the, the need and desire for a delicious um, craft beer alternative that just didn't have the alcohol as we we're trying to like improve our, our beings and mm-hmm. functionality. And so we, we sought to make out a delicious beer that just happens to not have alcohol using all the same, you know, craft brewing ingredients that, that people have come to love over the years. So is this an idea whose time has come? Because, you know, there have been non-alcoholic beers out there for many years, but their market share has been next to nothing. So how do you make uh, a so-called near beer a kind of a cool and desirable option? That's a good question. And I think what it comes down to is actually caring. Um, nobody had innovated or modified any practices for decades in the non-alcoholic beer segment. And so it was just this dormant category, no marketing, um, no aspirational message, no positive message, and really no product development. So Mm -hmm. it was this kind of antiquated process. And so what we did, we, you know, turned it on its head. We came up with our own unique process and we have this, this amazing product that is is a result which stands up neck and neck to to you know alcoholic alternatives yeah and also you know sends a positive message and is also inclusive like nobody should feel like they're in a penalty box for for drinking a non-alcoholic beer yeah now you mentioned that you started in 2017 which kind of uh corresponds with the uh growth of uh, the the craft beer trend the craft brew trend in general if you compare your growth to that of you know the craft brew industry as a whole are you pretty much comparable? Are you outpacing uh, the uh, industry as a whole? I mean, where do you fall as compared to some of the other craft brewers that are out there? Uh, definitely outpacing right now. Really? So non-alcoholic is the fastest. Yeah, it's the fastest growing category in craft beer. That's three hundred percent year over year, and um, Athletic owns about sixty-one percent of that, which is mm. pretty incredible. Yeah, and in yeah, in 2020, Athletic alone grew 500%, and we sold over 12 million cans. Wow. Now, I, and the reason I ask, because I, I wonder how much of this uh, is more than just removing the alcohol itself, because there's this whole atmosphere that surrounds the concept of social drinking. And I know that it's different right now because of the pandemic and we can't be as social as we once were. But if you have a a backyard cookout with friends or a party for the big game, you have to have the beer. I mean, that's the question. Who's bringing the beer? So do you reimagine that whole Mm -hmm. atmosphere that goes along with the the drinking? Or is it enough to say we're going to have these same get togethers just without the alcohol? Um, I, you know, I think it's a combination and I think that's partially where our name and our messaging 
you know, speaks to is like, this is, this is designed to be inclusive and, you know, whether or not your beer has alcohol in it shouldn't be any sort of determining factor as to, you know, whether you can go to an engagement or participate in one, or if you should be left out. So really we just set out to, to make a product and a message that this product, this, this is an awesome beer that you can enjoy at all the same occasions yeah, and even more so. And, you know, you don't have to stand out. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't have alcohol. Now, uh, again, it appears this is an idea whose time has come. You were recently recognized as one of America's most innovative companies by Fast Company Magazine, which recognizes those who are on the cutting edge of business. So you are getting that kind of attention, not just from consumers, but on the corporate side of things as well. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really incredible honor. And, you know, it speaks volumes to the team behind athletic uh what we do every day as a as a collective team of over a hundred now um we're really kind of shaking the earth and you know sending the message but and just trying to do our best must be kind of exciting to be uh kind of uh one of those companies that is you know driving this trend that seems to resonate with so many people yeah it, it, it's truly an honor to to stand alongside everybody here doing this so give us, never would have thought of it. So give us an idea of, uh, as you mentioned, you know, you specialize in craft brews, and this has uh, been a really hot market segment uh, right now. It continues to grow. And give us an idea of uh, some of the uh, varieties that you offer, and where do folks find your products? Yeah, so we have a full lineup. You know, if you went down to your local pub, we have that same lineup. We've got a variety of IPAs from you know, clear and kind of um, technically historical IPA all the way up to a hazy IPA. We've got an upside down golden ale that's also gluten reduced. All of these things are in the 50 to 70 calorie range. So really light in calories. We've also got a full range that extends all the way to sours, stouts, fruited beers, pilsners, single hop series and the like. And all of those beers are available on our website, athleticbrewing.com, uh, where you can shop online and we do free shipping across the nation. And we also have a store locator on our website. So you can type in your zip code and see if we're stocked locally. And in fact, there are a number of places where you can find these brews in our local area. Uh, again, uh, John Walker is co-founder and head brewer for the Athletic Brewing Companies, whether it is dry January or, again, that broader resolution to moderate your intake year-round. Uh, let's mention again the uh, website, John, where folks can learn more about your uh, products, your brews. Sure, it's athleticbrewing.com. John, thanks very much for taking the time. Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year. Cheers. It is a big weekend for the University of Findlay men's basketball team. Nationally ranked Oilers uh, are 5-0. and uh, They uh, will uh, face Malone tomorrow evening at Croy before going on the road for the first time this season at Walsh on Sunday. Last night on the Coach's Corner, John Marshall spoke with head coach Charlie Ernst about the season thus far and the big challenges coming up this weekend. You come back from break having risen to number 10 in the December 29th coaches poll. Such a strange year. There are teams in D2 
uh, in the top 25 who have played six games at that point and some who hadn't played any. Even so, it's always nice to get a little affirmation from your own kind, I would think. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've always taken a lot of pride in being a very good program, uh, one that's respected nationwide. That goes all the way back to, you know, the Jim Howdeshell to the Ron Neekamp era, you know. And so anytime, you know, your players get that kind of uh, honor, I think it, it brings better attention in practice, you know. And I think the guys know that your preparation has to match you know, your performance on the floor. And if one starts to, you know, if your preparation starts to, you know, to fade a little bit, it will affect your performance. So hopefully what it does is it helps keep your players performing at a high level. So you said it. It's all about what happens on the floor. 4-0 and before Christmas. Your Oilers got back on the floor on Saturday against 3-0 and Hillsdale after the holiday break. At one point, you trailed by 15 in the first half, back and forth to the end, 2.2 seconds left. Tommy Schmock hits a half-court buzzer beater to win. Not pretty, but you got the job done. Well, yeah, you know, Hillsdale's the kind of team that it's not going to be pretty. It never is pretty. Uh, uh, that's the Nate, and it's, it's, that's a total compliment to them. They're so stout on defense. Anytime you can win a game uh, against them, it's a good win. Uh, give Tommy tremendous credit. Happy for him, uh, you know, not only to make that shot, uh, but to do it in the dramatic fashion that he did. I made Sports Center top 10 with that one. Again, it's nice to get your program some recognition with an appearance on national TV. You know, we might go another 50 years before anyone from Finley makes Sports Center top 10, and he's done it twice in a month. So, uh, he just happens to be, uh, you know, a kid that ends up in those moments. So, yeah, it's a great thing for our program, great thing for the school, and a great thing for our conference. So now we move ahead. You're back at home Friday night with Malone. The Pioneers just started playing on Saturday. They're 0-2 with road losses to Trevecca by one point on Saturday and to Kentucky Wesleyan by 11 on Monday night. They would appear to be better than that record shows so far. Yeah, you know, these these teams, especially like Malone, Malone's got some very good players, and uh, but you know they miss the entire first half of the year. So due to quarantining, due to a late start, due to positive tests, you name it, you know. That, so what that means is they're not only not playing, but they're having, if they're practicing, you know, they're, they're very disheveled type practices where you have some guys and you don't have others and, you know, just not a good way to prepare your team. And probably, you know, that has affected them. Probably as each week passes, you know, they will begin to play better and better. They have always played us tough. I anticipate this Friday night will be a game where we will have to perform at a high level to get the win. Also this weekend, you have a rare Sunday afternoon game as you go on the road for the first time this season when you travel to North Canton to face Walsh. The Cavaliers in the same boat as Malone as they have played just two games. Give me your thoughts on the Cavaliers. You know, Walsh is one of these teams that, you know, they've got a lot of new faces, uh, you know, but they've got a few guys that they're, you know, that they're going to hang their hat on. But more than anything, they have a winning program, a winning culture, their kids believe in, in what they're doing. So I think that challenge is a big one, you know, for us from the standpoint of our first road game. You know, we've, we've been able to play all of our games at home, which is nice, 
but you know that the tables are going to turn here shortly and it begins on Sunday when we go to Walsh so we'll have to prove ourselves on the road. If all goes as planned, you have 16 games between now and the end of February, all in the GMAC. Not entirely foreign, but usually you would have many more games under your belt before you hit this stretch. What are you expecting from your team as you get into the nitty-gritty? We're in for a roller coaster ride here the second half of the year. We just have to be consistent in our approach. We have to be consistent in practice, you know, and we have to, to continue to stay together. This is a close team. I love our chemistry. And now I think the most important thing is, is that we identify, you know, when we play best and how we play best and build on that. University of Findlay men's basketball coach Charlie Ernst from the Coach's Corner last night talking about a big weekend ahead for the Oilers, which are now ranked sixth nationally in the latest poll. They will host Malone tomorrow evening, 7.30 tip-off from Croy, and then on the road for the first time this year, Sunday at Walsh, 4 o'clock is the tip on that one. You can watch both games streaming video at the University of Findlay Athletic Department website, which we have linked up at goodmornings.net. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. The odd and unusual side of the news today is Broken News Report, a service more or less of the Hancock County Veterans Services Office. And uh, <laughs> this, not to make light of what we saw yesterday uh, at the uh, at the Capitol, that was not the only place where there was uh, a, a riot of source at a McDonald's restaurant in Washington Township, New Jersey. <laughs> Police were called into action when a flock of chickens started wreaking havoc uh, inside the restaurant. A flock of chickens. Warren County Animal Control Officer Robbie Laganera, who responded to the 911 call. That must have been one of the most unusual 911 calls that they ever got in Washington Township, New Jersey. We've got a flock of chickens wreaking habit, uh, havoc at the McDonald's. Uh, Mr. Laganera, who responded to the 911 call, was able to tackle one chicken, chase a, ch- a second chicken, and capture it with a net. Uh, according to local news reports, officials say the chickens are safe and will remain at the Warren County Animal Control for seven days, and then they will be put up for adoption if the owners do not come forward. <laughs> where where the chickens came from, or what their uh, what their beef was, no pun intended. Uh, is is unclear, but I'm not sure that if I were at the this New Jersey McDonald's restaurant, uh, I think I would avoid ordering the McChicken sandwich. <laughs> this is odd. Out of Altoona, Pennsylvania, 35-year-old man allegedly walked into an apartment Monday night, mumbled something to the resident who lived there before sitting down and passing out. <laughs> Now, my dear, he just wandered into a random apartment. He doesn't live there. He doesn't even know the guy who does live there. Police say Matthew Hazlitt could not explain how or why he got into the apartment. But when police arrived, he was he was out cold. He was snoring and did not respond to officers' first attempts to wake him up. The apartment owner, uh, the apartment resident, told police he didn't know Mr. Hazlitt whatsoever. Never seen him before. Uh, police, the uh, report goes on to say that police did find several baggies in Mr. Hazlitt's pockets, plus some white powdery substance. <laughs> he has been placed under arrest. 
And uh, that particular apartment resident has a story to tell. Wow. <clears throat> uh, let's see here. A couple of stories from the international file. Uh, both of these from Australia. First of all, in Lansboro, well, Queensland, uh, Lansboro, the Lansboro pub in Queensland, Australia, uh, police say they had to rescue a 30-year-old suspect after he got trapped while trying to break into the pub, the Lansboro pub. He apparently, uh, from what I can gather in this uh, report, he snuck into the ceiling of the pub, maybe through the uh, soffit and the uh, the roof extension. He uh, snuck into the ceiling trying to break into the pub. He was trapped there for apparently four hours until a worker heard him and called, called police. He was calling for help. Cops say the man was sweating, dehydrated, and confused as he was taken in. Nothing was stolen, but they do report there was some electrical damage. He was lucky he probably didn't get himself electrocuted. Suspect was charged with breaking and entering. And not to be outdone, uh, on Sunday, in the northern Australian uh, territory capital of Darwin, Australia, uh, two men were laying crab traps near East Point, not far from Darwin, when they heard someone calling for help. Now, they are out in uh, in this uh, big open uh, expanse. Suddenly, somebody's calling for help. They thought they were all alone. So these guys who were laying the crab traps uh, investigated. They found a naked man, later identified as 40-year-old Luke Voskrensky, hanging out in a mangrove tree a few feet above the water. Apparently, uh, they say... They say he had made himself a little nest in the tree. He was covered in mud, had uh, several mosquito bites, cuts, and was desperate for water. He told them he had been there for four days living off snails. <laughs> there for four days. Um, assuming that the man had had a big night on New Year's Eve, they uh, let the man board their dinghy, shared, shared their beers with him. <laughs> That's all they had. And uh, an ambulance met the group at the uh, boat launch. The uh, men later learned that Mr. Voskarensky uh, was actually on the run from the law, facing multiple charges, including armed robbery, when he allegedly broke out of his ankle monitor, and that's how he he ran and ended up in the uh, tree. He was trying to escape the cops. He was treated for exposure, now faces additional charges of breaching bail and aggravated assault. He's uh, Again, he's lucky because uh, they say that there are why he was naked, I have no idea. And say there are uh, alligators uh, in the uh, water, crocodiles. The area is uh, quite well known for uh, crocodiles and other things that you don't want to run into while you're running from police. All things considered, he should have just stayed in custody. There, there you go. That's not the way to start off your new year right there. That is today's broken news report, the odd and unusual side of the news. Today's broken news, a service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. I'm Erin Russo, and I've had 15 years of ICU experience. I think the scariest part of COVID is that it's unpredictable. People are dying and suffering. They're scared to death. They can't breathe. And the hardest part is when they ask us to hold their hand because they don't want to die alone. We need the people in Ohio to take this virus more seriously. And we ask you to wear a mask and to social distance. Please take the steps to help us keep you safe. 
a message from the Ohio Department of Health. People usually approach the start of a new year, of course, with optimism, a chance to wipe the slate clean and start fresh. And after the year we just endured, we need it now more than ever. So joining us this morning with what you need to take control of your health and wellness in 2021 is lifestyle expert Tara Wellington. And it's right there in your name, Tara. We want to live Wellington the new year. I'm sorry that I shouldn't have done that. Oh, boy. Well, wellness is definitely top of mind, right? And I'm here on behalf of several companies that I'll talk about today. Um, And so people are thinking about our habits, the products we buy, our attitudes, and do they promote wellness for our families, our cities, our planet? One of the top goals that people are carrying into the new year is how to naturally support their immune system every day. So we can look to making sure we get enough rest and sleep. Uh, create work-life boundaries so that we have downtime to rejuvenate each day and, of course, eat right and get exercise. And then for vitamins and supplements, you can look to Natrol. The company has a new immune health product line that you can check out. Uh, there's three new products. They have the Immune Biotic, and this is a delicious orange-flavored prebiotic probiotic that comes in quick-dissolved packets that you pour directly onto your tongue. Uh, Great-tasting elderberry gummies also, and these are packed with a blend of elderberry fruit extract, vitamin C, and zinc. And then the Easy C tablets, which are high-potency vitamin C tablets that can be easy on your stomach. So you talk about uh, vitamins and supplements, and then beyond that, uh, obviously one of the the big things every year, uh, people, we just want to eat healthier. And I know that is every year a big goal. You have some tips. So for 2021, a really great one would be to eat more plants. Plant-based food eating is huge right now, and studies show that when you eat more plants, it not only supports your health, but it also can reduce your risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, and diabetes. Also, plant-based foods include fruits and veggies and nuts and seeds, whole grains, legumes, and beans. Eating more plants is also really fun and delicious, and an example of this is from Coconut Bliss, which is known for its plant-based ice cream treats. It has a new Bliss Maker at-home ice cream machine to make your own organic plant-based ice cream. It's really fun for families. It has lots of tasty recipes and uses its organic plant-based soft-serve ice cream mix. It also is certified vegan and gluten-free, and they use uh, fair trade ingredients as well. You can find the whole bundle at blissmaker.co for just $119.85. Everybody loves ice cream, and uh, it's great year-round, obviously. It doesn't have to be just a summertime treat, so there's some great stuff there. Now, when we talk about uh, health and wellness, it is not just a a topic about physical health. We're not just talking about physical health. Uh, You talk about uh, ways to get fiscally fit, getting control of your finances, which can help make everything easier and can relieve stress, which is a physical thing as well. That's exactly right, what you just said. Um, So these are uncommon goals for 2021. Um, There's two of them. One is the goal of local health and well-being. This means a focus on community. And one way that you can do that is by supporting your local small businesses, which can bring you joy and also help stimulate your local economy. And then paired with that is the wellness goal of fiscally fit with your money. This is also top of mind, and that means that you're looking for savings as well. So this January, you can keep an eye out in your mail for the blue envelope of savings from Valpac. 
and lucky households nationwide will be receiving a $200 no-strings-attached check in the envelope, along with savings coupons, all to help you stay on budget while also supporting local businesses. And if you scan the QR code on the envelope, you'll have access to stream Disney songs from their happiest playlist on earth <laughs> that's kind of cool i always look forward to those uh, big boo packets anyway but uh, now a, an extra uh, reason to look forward uh, to that here uh, in the uh, coming days and weeks anything else what is next so give yourself uh, a focus each month so you know let's say you have 12 months in a year and if you could pick one main goal for each month what would that be so for example if you want to lose weight january could be uh, you eat smaller portions February, maybe find a workout buddy, and you can even do that over Zoom. Um, so second, be flexible. So in the, if the past year has taught us anything, it would be that being more flexible, you know, you're better off that way. Um, it reduces your stress. So when your schedule changes, if you're not able to complete a goal the way you saw it, change it up. And finally, stay in the present. One way you can do that is with a daily journal. Now, I'm not talking about the Dear Diary type. Mm -hmm. um, instead, I'm just talking about, you know, at the end of the day, write down, jot down a few things that went well, maybe what didn't, and then how about, you know, kind of flush it out of your mind so that you can think about, well, tomorrow or this coming week, I need to change it up. It can really help with your flexibility. We talk about uh, wiping the uh, slate clean and starting fresh in the new year. Uh, it sounds like what you're talking about is kind of doing that almost on a daily basis moving forward. Right. It's just staying focused on the present. Yeah. Uh, talking about, you know, lessening your stress. A lot of people don't like goal setting because the old way of setting goals was setting them in stone. And this kind of frees you from that. Yeah. Again, uh, lifestyle expert Tara Wellington talking about how to uh, live Wellington the new year. I, I did it again. Where do we get uh, more information uh, about all of this? Very clever. Um, so... Uh, if you go to simplemomsguide.com, you can uh, find information to everything I've talked about and more, including links to all the products as well. Tara, thanks very much for taking the time. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, Chris. Thank you. And that will put a wraps on our podcast for today. Uh, as always, want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program and remind you that you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. At our webpage, you can also connect with us on social media, sign up for our daily email newsletter, and more, goodmornings.net. So that puts today's show in the books. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, and we will catch you back here tomorrow. Tomorrow.